like I'm losing my mind Is everybody in the world blind? Please, Lord, give me a sign A sign I wanna be the greatest Everybody on the face shit I look around and feel like everybody is the fakest I make this every day and I'm impatient Hoping one day I blow up from the basement Welcome to the Mark and Mo Show. Hopefully everyone had a great week. Are we live? I'm trying to see if we're actually live or not on YouTube because it's not showing up on my end. Is it showing up on your end, Mo? I honestly am not logged in. I think we are. Okay, let's... Hey, can you guys put a one in the chat if we are officially live or not? Because, okay, we are live. This stuff, right. YouTube is like a little bit delayed. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, man, Mo, how are you doing, man? How, how's, your, how's your week been so far? I'm good, man. I have people over from out of country, so I've been just taking them out. That's the only time I really travel within the city when I have people over. Really? How long are you staying for? Uh, they're here for a week. Okay, nice, man. I mean, that's always good to have family in town and stuff. Uh, my week's been pretty interesting, man. I don't know if you've been keeping up on the news. A lot of conspiracy theory stuff happening, man, from, you know, Obama, apparently, supposedly, president, former President Obama, supposedly killing his um chef it's been this whole controversy and conspiracy theory stuff that's going on on twitter i don't believe it at all i know it's kind of some suspicious stuff there when you look at the history of some of these chefs that's worked for presidents especially the um the clintons if you know the history of them there's a lot of people that have been associated with them that apparently have somehow passed away in some questionable circumstances so that's been making twitter and then of course you know um hunter biden his Basically, his um, his trial, he had made a deal and it didn't go through. While that was happening, however, they were also having the UFO hearings, which is really interesting. That was crazy. The the UFO stuff. Yeah, I think, bro, they're running out of news because a lot of stuff, like even in the market that comes after hours, like they were talking about impeaching uh, Biden, right? And there was a lot. But at night and in the morning, it was like, no, we're not doing it. I don't know if the media is getting desperate to get like people to start watching news again. Or like this morning, I was watching uh, Twitter and they were doing that UFO hearing. I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It was yesterday and today, I think, as well. So it's a, it's a, it can't, I feel like it's somewhat of a distraction what's really going on, but we'll see. I don't know. Listen, man, when I um, initially got into the intelligence career field, what, 15, 16 years ago, there was two reasons why I actually wanted to join. Um, Grand, the recruiter made it seem like, dude, have you ever seen Mission Impossible or James Bond? You're going to be doing all those cool spy stuff. Not really true. We did some cool stuff, but not at all like in Mission Impossible. But it was two reasons I joined because I wanted to know the truth about aliens and UFOs. And I want to know the truth about who killed JFK. And I got the answer to both of them. It's just funny now because that TikTok video that's going viral that everyone's talking about, I saw that years ago. That was the first time I seen it. And the one thing that I thought was really curious, and I'm pretty sure it's unclassified now because all the videos and stuff are out. But there was a specific TikTok video where, you know, it's really fast. You see him all the time. It moves really fast. But there was one specific one I remember watching. And then it just dropped down into the ocean disappeared and then i started wondering i was like yo what if this life that we're seeing and these tic-tac and these ufos what if they don't come from space they actually come from the bottom of the ocean so that's yeah. my tinfoil hat conversation but i started thinking about that because i always you know we've seen them i was reviewing all the footage and this is like before it was all unclassified but that one specific one that is dropped in the ocean and then never came back up i thought that was very interesting do you even believe in that stuff 
Well, we've had our conversations, right? I don't, I don't know what to think of it. Um, I don't know enough to like say anything. Do I believe in it? I think there's something there. I don't know what it is. Like, again, I have like, I question a lot of things. Like, mm-hmm. I think that happened for me after COVID, where before COVID, I just kind of believed everything that I saw on TV, and basically thought that was what the truth was. But then with COVID and just getting into trading you realize that a lot of what media shows you isn't true so yeah you i think believing it or not is one thing but questioning everything people tell you um as long as you don't get paranoid is a good way of just kind of checking with yourself if you believe something or not yeah it's critical thinking a lot of it is critical thinking some of it is conspiracy theory some of the stuff sounds really crazy but you never know i mean i'm really into the whole ufo stuff i like watching documentaries and stuff um especially there's one on amazon i've got a name of it i can't remember off the top of my head but it had so many documents that i actually saw myself that i don't know how the guy got this and this documentary is like four years old but it was really good anyways let's get into today's topics let's start off first if you guys saw our thumbnail there is a job where you can make 7K on TikTok. It's um, getting a lot of attention now. Have you heard about it, Mo? No, but bro, most of these podcasts and most of these TikTok videos, they open with, if you're not making 10 grand a month, you're doing something wrong. It's so easy. So yeah, I've well, seen a couple, but I think you're talking about something specific. Yeah, it's all right. Let me just play a video to show you what you can do on TikTok now to make some pretty decent money. Hi, Pookie. Oh, thank you, baby. This is so cute. Hi, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Fab. Oh, thank you, baby. This is so cute. Thank you, Anoy. Yes, yes, yes. It was you, Matibi. Oh, thank you, baby. This is so cute. It was you, Wolf. Mmm, ask me so good. Slay, huh? Slay, huh? Slay. Sorry, I just killed a whole bunch of brain cells here. But yes, man, do you know what this is? No, it's an AI oh. something, right? <laughs> Yes, apparently it's called non-playable character NPC. And I when I heard about it, I thought they were joking. So I went on TikTok because I finally created TikTok, by the way. And um, I went on there and I went through the lives and like, no shit, people are doing this. And this chick apparently, I mean, clearly she's also pretty, so that helps. But she's been blowing up and people have been talking about it nonstop because she makes around, ready for it, 7K a day up to 7k a day just being a npc so how this whole process works essentially is people buy like little coins and there's money that's attached to it and when they send you money you will react to certain things depending on the the amount of money that they give you like non-playable characters in video games that are like the back background characters that are always yeah. do the same thing like ha hi ha hi hi and every time you tip me i just say hi if you give me something else it's like oh ice cream oh ice cream and you just do that for an hour and you could make 7k and i'm just wondering if the audience yo let me know would you do this would you like literally would you do this to make that type of money because I'm, I'm looking at the comments right now i'm i'm just curious huh are you talking about 7k a day most people would do it yes i mean you're completely there's no dignity to it right so you have to be okay and and not have any shame whatsoever to do this but this could be like a real thing so i'm thinking about putting a course together and i'm going to sell it for about 29.99 to 2999 dollars on how to be a professional npc player where people can hire you to show up to their house to be a background player i think it would sell 
Would you buy it? I wouldn't buy it. You know I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I just can't believe. Like, I go on TikTok, and I, I refrain from being on there for a long time, but it's just uh, these trends that are, are being created and how these young children are able to create these dumb things to make so much money, and you can't, I can't even hate on it. I can't hate on it. It's stupid. But if you're willing to do that and you have, like, no shame and you don't care and you make your money, by all means, go for it. You're not hurting anybody. It's just weird, though. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of guys are in that are just simps or whatnot. So it's very strange. But, um, yeah, that's called the uh, NPC. It's taken off right now. You go on TikTok. There's a there's an Asian guy who does, like, the whole um, anime NPC player stuff, which is He's actually pretty cool, um, but the, this this is just the thing that's taking off right now. It's ridiculous. Our country's getting dumber and dumber by the minute. I swear to God, it really is. We went from going to school to these side hustles that could make you millions of dollars to now just literally being a non-playable character on TikTok to make 7K. It's ridiculous. All right, on to the next topic. Let's see. The market topping. This is all you, Mo. Okay. So I think when we're talking about topics like- – believe a couple of days ago that's when the market was going up um one of the topic was market was topping back then and we got that big drop today i'll i won't make it complicated i'll show you what i see so you guys can see it too hold on okay so i'm sure you guys can see the seasonality chart here if you guys look at it, look at what's happening uh, around July end, um, there is a big retracement and it leads all the way till August. So I hope it's bigger now. Um, it goes all the way till mid or I'd say last week of August before we start taking off again. And then we see the drop in September too. So I f- follow um, seasonality very closely. Uh Apart from that, if you guys look at your generals, your leaders, NVIDIA, Tesla, Apple, Microsoft, they're sort of like ranging now. And when things start to range, people start taking profits. And that's where I was coming with that. So today we shorted the market. And this is where things are like just common sense levels don't matter we could we kept failing at 4600 today so i used stop loss on 4600 and shorted spx and then took profits around 4570 but then i didn't realize that the markets that week it ended up going to 45 40 30 so i'm hedged down all the way till next friday because this seems like the selling just big gun and i don't know if you guys have been showing up on my live for the last one week, I've been saying I'm not in tech at all. And I'm telling people, be very careful with tech. I don't think the money is in there unless you're doing what uh, Mark does, which is spreads. Um, that's where the money is right now in tech spreads because they're ranging and you could kind of uh, earn a premium burn. I think money is in small and mid cap and look for rotations like um, other stock. We'll get them in a bit, but. That's why I think the market's topping. Now, when I say topping, I often hear people say, should I buy months? uh, Should I buy puts three months out? I wouldn't do that. I don't think this is that kind of market. Um, Then someone was today was asking, oh, should I short XLK? It's not liquid. Um, I would look at TQQ. I would look at ARC to short, but I wouldn't go three months. If you have a small account, 
I wouldn't go anything over a month uh, for shorting because then you're buying a lot of uh, you're paying a lot of money for expensive premium because you're buying time. Right. So that's mm -hmm. how I would do it. But the market is topping. That doesn't mean that we're going to go drop 800 points. We need some kind of news. And I'll say that every week until then we're going to range. And if you get a three month output on a range market, you're not going to make money. Even if the market take, gets a 50 point drop or a hundred point drop on a three month out, you're going to make a measly 50 to 60%. So I don't see the point. Yeah. I saw some people in um, some of these groups who were actually buying calls this morning because pre-market it was above 4,600. I believe from when I was watching, it was pretty impressive. I was like, Oh, it broke the, the 4,600, but was it going to hold? Absolutely not. It ended up selling off pretty quickly. And if you notice, like um, Apple hasn't been too strong. It seems kind of holding the same levels over and over. Had a nice little strong push to the top, and then it sold off for the rest of the day. And I'm pretty sure Microsoft did as well, correct? Yeah. yeah. The big one was Amazon. Amazon actually broke all the key levels pre-market, and then the market opened, and it just zipped through caught a bunch of late bulls back right like i think it dropped four dollars and this is where as a trader you want to and this is the way i trade so i don't want to say like you shouldn't do it but i don't take breakout trades because they're usually late bulls or late bears and the premium's heavy you're paying expensive because iv is high and if there's any pullback and you're not smart with your uh, stop losses you'll be down 50 60 percent very fast all right, so there's a comment here. Do you are you worried about the healthcare earnings for next week? Uh, like in terms of like the market, not really. Like tech does its own thing with healthcare. Um, I don't know. Like if you asked how I trade, like last week we talked about Vale. Swear to God, I did not even know what the ticker was. I saw the flow. I saw the chart. Then I'm like, okay, let me get in. Then I'm like, yo, let me do a check what sector this is. It's Brazil. And if their interest rate goes down, I think it's coming up next week. This thing's going to moon. That's all I look at. Like, I don't really like sometimes I'll look at sectors. But right now, the key things that I'm really looking at, where is the flow coming? And if you guys pay attention to the flow, there's a very unique thing. And the unique thing is they're doing a lot of spreads on range on Tesla, NVIDIA, Apple and Microsoft. They're buying like straddles which is not good for people that are into leaps. That's just, that's not like when you look at that, you don't want to start betting on a top or a bottom. You want to play the ranges. Um, so I genuinely, I'm not watching healthcare. I'm not scared of it. My tickers that I picked that even that I'm going to talk about today, I promise you most people haven't heard it. I haven't heard it. I never even played these tickers. So I'm not looking Great. at that range right now. Yeah. The, yeah, you're very unique in the way that you trade because you don't really know a lot about the companies and stuff like that. You just go strictly by flow, volume, and just by su supply and demand. So um, when a lot of people sometimes trade, they want to know about the company and et cetera. I like to just kind of stick with the same stocks over and over that I'm familiar with. Um, but it's a, it's a different style of trading, so it's real interesting. But let's talk about the um, – since we did bring up Vail. So last week we did give out two plays. Um, Mo, you did Vail. So let's talk about that first. All right. So we had the whale trade um, ticker symbol V-A-L-E. We take the October 13 call. So a lot of people think, yo, Mo, why are you giving us an October trade? We're small accounts. It's not going to go up. It's going to move slow. 
but that doesn't really happen with small and mid with small and mid cap you can actually do that and easily make 100% sometimes in an hour i've done that after i did the veil trade the next day i called some other brazilian ticker we made like 100% on a, another september trade for 2 hours but the veil trade specifically that 62 some percent and i saw and it hit right close to my target i sold half and then i messaged mark i'm like i don't know if he was in the trade or not so i messaged him and then i sold half and then i'm holding the rest if you are a small account you have two options you can either sell half or sell it all or make it free however you want but after that you cannot lose on the trade if you're a crazy high risk tolerance you could set a stop loss at break even they had earnings today i didn't see them do much so we're gonna there's gonna be no iv crush because it's so far out so we'll see how they react tomorrow but what we're waiting on that play is the brazil like um their inflation numbers if they're really good and if they actually they're saying that they might drop the interest rate and if that happens that it's going to take off yeah actually i'm seeing that right now veil so the earnings is actually happening tomorrow it looks oh, like it earnings is. 10 a.m yeah so it's at 10 a.m they're going to have it yeah, right because there's four different platforms and i checked all of them like earning whispers and there was one other bloomberg is saying that it was after hours today so i don't know like what's going on with it yeah it's interesting i just googled it real quick so i was going to see like what's happening after hours it's up after hours not much i mean so uh but it did take a little two percent hit today but yeah you scaled out so that that's smart and even if you end up holding it if you took that same trade remember we said paper trade because this practice but if you took that um you should still be up in the end of the day right it's just not as much as you were yesterday with that you being said let's talk about go ahead but mark someone's up 60 percent, bro and they're holding it that tells me that they don't understand levels and they're just hoping and praying that it goes so that's a key point some point like start right like if we're giving out plays i'll tell you execution start writing your rules 25 50 these are benchmarks that you can set for some yourself so if something's a 60 per 62 percent and it starts retracing at 50 percent, you should be out whatever percent that you feel like you should just because you think the trade's october you should not be holding it you're punishing yourself for just buying more time so just be careful the thought process it's at the end of the day, it's not a stock, it's an option. So it's not like I don't lose until I hold. This is a whole different ballgame. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the Apple spread that I had. Uh, I was really specific last week on that trade. I had just gotten one contract at that point, but I said once Apple starts climbing up to probably to like 196, I was going to add more. I did that today. Um, if you even got into it last week, you would you were up pretty much around 40 percent all the way until this morning you probably went down somewhat um and then went right back up so when it went down i ended up buying several more contracts uh and it was the two remember it's a 205 and 210 spread that i had vertical bear call spread i sold a 205 and i bought the 210 and i added more contracts and now we are up 49 percent it expires next week. This one was easy. Like to me, I just I, like the premiums were so juicy early on last week that it just made sense to me. I know earnings is for Apple, I believe, is next week. So I'm going to get out of it before earnings, even though even if the earnings is good, I don't think Apple is going to go above 205. So oh, the, yeah, the, the, close, bro. 
I don't. Yeah, think that's what I'm saying. So it was an easy play. It, the premiums were juicy, so I end up just buying um, some contracts there, and we should be good by next week. I'm definitely gonna get out of it though before earnings. So, uh, and I'm probably gonna shave off some contracts. Most likely tomorrow, it's probably gonna be over fifty percent. So shave off some there. I always say this when it comes to vertical spreads. You don't necessarily need to hold it all the way to 100%, to be honest. Um, why take that risk? I said this last week. If you're up 50 to 75% and you have several weeks left, just shave off most of your contracts and just leave some of the runners. That's how I do it. So it was good. Got out of my Shopify. I didn't talk about that last week, but I was in some positions in Shopify. I got out. And I'm also, Mo, I'm in my very, very first poor man's cover call on Disney, which leads me to a question that an audience member asked me to DM me. They watched our supply and demand course, which was an episode that we dropped while myself and Mo were pretty much on hiatus, mostly me. It was a throwback episode. And I believe you cut it, Mo, where I think I said something about we can also use it for long-term investing to get into your positions. So the person was asking me, well, how do you find those levels? So watch the episode first and foremost. Okay, you can't miss it. It's like two or three episodes ago. Uh, just pull up on the come up series. And then if you watch that episode, you should have ideas. Is my chart showing, by the way? Yeah. Okay, so this is Disney, for example. And I'm only bringing up Disney because um, this is what I use to get into the position that I'm at. <clears throat> when it comes to long-term positions, using supply and demand, if you want to find your levels, again, watch the episode first to identify the supply and demand zones and just start plotting them out. Eventually the stock will hit most not guaranteed, but eventually it will. Cause if you look the 200 day EMA doesn't always work. Look, I mean, uh, what is it? 121 is the $120 on Disney is a $200. I mean, 200 EMA for Disney. Um, it hasn't been there since Jesus when, um, 2022 april 2022 so i just plot my supply and demand we hit a supply and demand zone again that's where it's currently in it's between 84 and 87 dollars and 57 cents so you would kind of buy within that zone and start scaling in small because you don't want to go all in too many people go all in and then are shocked that the stock pulls back and then you screwed you don't have anything else to like um dollar cost average or whatnot so that's just an example this is the reason why i actually got into disney i don't I actually like Disney overall. Uh, Fabio from Capital Mindset, remember he came on this channel and he talked about Disney a little bit and broke it, broke it down fundamentally. There are a lot of issues that's going on with Disney. And for some reason, some people think that Disney is going to sell to Apple. I strongly don't think that's going to happen. Do you really I think? Clickbait, bro. I think that's clickbait. Just like people love to just hypothetically talk just random stuff. Yeah, like what makes people think Disney is going to sell their products. Maybe some they might go to the licensing method again because I know um, Bob Iger was talking about potentially going to licensing because the streaming service and everything they created has been somewhat of a money pit for them. Yeah. Um, I personally do not like Bob Iger. I think Fabio talked about it. If not, I'm going to mention this. A lot of people were excited that Bob Iger came back, myself included, because I did a video, but I didn't do all my proper research. The reason why Disney's even in a situation it's in right now is because of Bob Iger. Yes, he left, but he put all these pieces in before leaving. And then Bob Chappelle came in and had to take the brunt of all the failures. Plus, he also implemented some things that was widely unpopular with Disney fans. And then Bob Iger came back, stock went up a little bit, and then started selling off again because of everything that's happening 
with Disney. And I'm not talking about just the woke stuff. I'm sure that hurts their brand as well. I'm just talking about everything from the parks to the um, the amount of money they put in towards their streaming service. Their content sucks. They're losing money. So there's a lot of reasons why I don't like Disney. But I'm playing this Disney position specifically because it is way below the $200. I mean, 200 I keep saying $200. 200 EMA and is in a demand zone. So I'm in that right now. And I did a poor man's cover call to offset any potential downfall and the poor man's cover call. So, so far, this is what I got. And I'm not telling you what to do. This is not a, like a play that I'm recommending. I'm just telling you what I got. Um, I bought in the money call for January, 2024, uh, $85 call. And I bought and I sold a call at 90 strike and I collected $184 from it. So as long, and that's for August expiration to monthly. So in less than 22 days, if um, Disney's not at ninety dollars, I'll be collecting one hundred and eighty-four dollars, which offsets some of the the theta that's going to decay off of this premium if um, Disney doesn't move. I do think it will move to at least ninety dollars potentially by so January. What do you think? I think Disney's at the same spot where Meta was, where Tesla was. This so I understand there's some a lot of things wrong with it, but mm -hmm. a lot of people mistake stocks with fundamentals. Long terms fundamentals do matter, right? Long terms they do. Now, can someone tell me why Chipotle is at the price it is or Tesla is? Like, yeah, the future is all that, right? A lot of us talk about like Cybertruck and whatnot, right? Do you mm -hmm. know you only have to put 100 US dollars to buck a Cybertruck? And if you don't want it, you can get that $100 back. A lot of times that those numbers are invalid. Like, Anyone can put $100 to book something, but how many are going to actually have the money to put 80 grand down with the interest rate we're sitting at? So I think Disney is very underpriced. It's not a financial advice. I'm in as well. Um, and I think Disney's not the subpar content. I think Mark will comment on that. What I'll mm -hmm. comment on that is a middle class, a upper middle class person cannot take their kids to Disney World right now. It is outrageously expensive. That's one. Second is when it was busy last last year when I went, and we had like multiple tickets, and we kind of used the app to like I forgot where you can go faster, and I like took my parents too, so and they didn't want to go on the ride, so I booked mm -hmm. the ride on theirs too. But bro, there were wait time four to eight hours on rides, which meant that if someone's like really crazy about like the Harry Potter area. And they have to like go through all they might have to go twice to that park and food was outrageous i don't think you're allowed to take your own food so mm -hmm. i think people are gonna find cheaper means of entertainment now and i understand like i don't like i have kids and they don't ever go on disney anymore they're just like just youtube they don't like any of the content yeah the audience members have some pretty good arguments here. And yeah, I did actually hear about the ESPN. I think if anything, if there's anything that Disney is going to sell is ESPN, because I think that's the one that doesn't even make barely any money. Hulu, I don't think so, because Hulu still actually makes uh, money. Um, but yeah, Apple could enter into licensing content agreement. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I think Disney is going to end up having to do eventually if this doesn't work out. I think they're going to end up licensing some of their stuff, which is the smartest way to do it anyway. Sony does it. And it works out perfectly fine for them, kind of. But their content is like sometimes also shit. But um, yeah, so we'll we'll see what's going on. I'm a huge fan of the Marvel and Star Wars, and I even sold my shares. Ooh, 
ooh, okay. I don't know why you're still a fan of, of Marvel and Star Wars. I feel like Disney literally destroyed it. <laughs> so that's just my my personal opinion. So, all right, yeah, sell ESPN to AT&T. That would be hilarious. AT&T needs to fix their own issues right there. All right, so what's up next? Yeah, let's talk about uh, the come-up series real quick. Remember, everybody, this is not the come-up series from 2020. This one is very different. So if you're brand new to the show, thank you for stopping by. I really appreciate it. You're watching the Mark and Mo show. But there are various different shows on the Come Up series. We have on Mondays, you've got Lawrence and Friends for Monday Night Take. Tuesdays, we, which, by the way, um, Lawrence talks about options, plays, and et cetera. And he always has um, a guest, typically. So definitely check him out every single Monday. Very smart guy. Tuesdays, you got Mark and Jolyn GC, I spelled it right this time, for executive education, but I heard Mark saying that he may switch it up a little bit, so you may see some other stuff on there. Wednesday, hold on, let me put this um, let's comment down real quick. Wednesday, we have Christopher W. Bush and Abby Joseph for redlining. They're tax accountant and financial advisors. And then Thursdays, you got the Mark and Mo show, which is basically entertainment that meets knowledge. We talk about Various different topics and also talk about the stock market and put plays out as well. But it's mostly just a way for you to decompress before the weekend and just enjoy and have a good time with us. Grab your beer and keep your children away because this stuff is uncensored and parental advisory is on this show. All right. Next, Mo, you have something you want to talk about on why people are broke. So I wanted to bring up this topic because I've been on both sides of the spectrum and so has Mark. Uh, we've both have situations where, you know, uh, we felt like we're kind of stuck in a rat race where you kind of don't feel like you're getting out of it. And I wanted to really talk about maybe some people can learn from experiences. This is not coming from the place where I am the goat. I have more money than you and you get to listen to me because you know what, because you, because I just say stuff. So this is more <laughs> sharing our experiences and coming from there. At any point, you will never feel, be it meet me outside the podcast or ever, we're always equal, all of us. No one's greater than me. No one's under than me. And that's sort of how I think we both um, think about other people. And I'm speaking for Mark because I know him personally. It's never been like talking about us in third person or just saying, just listen to us. <laughs> We've never gone and said that. So I just wanted to give this disclaimer because, you know, you jump on a lot of podcasts and be like, oh, I made this much. Let me tell you how to do it. That's not how life works because there's not one single blueprint that we can all just adapt based, uh, which is what's shown on TikTok, Instagram and whatnot. Right. So in my opinion, I think most people, uh, the way they look at things is what gets them to feeling broke rather than what situation they are in. For example, a lot of people feel like they're broke at making $4,000 a month. Then there's people that I know that make close to 10 grand a month and then they feel broke. And then I know families, like, I don't know if you guys know, I've had business in different countries, including China and India, and even looking at their standard of living and what they can do, there's people that make less than $200 a month and they're just happy because they feel like they're alive and they're like they've seen other people in much more miserable situation. So I think a lot of times it's not the actual situation, but how we react to situation. Getting deeper into it, what I really mean and truly mean is that that a lot of time is a lot of people aren't really grateful for what they have. And 
I truly believe that until you aren't grateful for what you have, you aren't going to move forward because you're coming from a place of scarcity. You're just saying, I don't have less money. I have less of everything. And that's the kind of vibe that you attract because that's the energy that you give out. You know how many times we go and talk to people and you say that person's energy was off. I don't really know why I don't like them, but like I don't really like them and I don't want to meet them because their energy is off. And sometimes, you know, you like the person and you don't know why you like them. They've never done anything. And I feel like our energy is at the highest when we're giving or when we're doing things without any self-interest. That is absolutely when you are at the highest. It's either that, so that's giving, or the second is when you're growing. And that's when you're learning something new. And it could be something like a hobby. It doesn't have to be money. So I see a lot of people and they're very self-obsessed with their problem. And they think their problem is the biggest. And I think a lot of people, me and Mark talk about it, they lack empathy. And like when you go travel into third world countries or work with people that are less fortunate, you realize how grateful you are. And I think that's where most people need to shift. The second part that I want to talk about is no matter how much you make, and you could take me as an example, there's been days where I've made 2K a month and there's been times where I've made 10, 10X of that. And I still didn't have anything at the end of the day because I wasn't saving enough or I wasn't investing any enough. And there's been situations where I know people that are amazing at saving money, but they'll never be able to get into the rat race out of the rat race because they don't make enough. And that's the problem. The problem is that they're not saving enough. They're not making enough. So they're not focused on the right thing. And you often get what you focus on. So I really wanted to talk about that stuff because I feel like a lot of times in our cult, when I say our culture, I mean visible minorities and the way the society has trained us. We don't like talking about money. Like if you ask someone, hey, do you mind telling me how much roughly you make? You don't have to give them the exact amount. A lot of people get offended. I, I agree that you have to ask us in a respectful way. You can't just be going around people but like show me your pay stub. But a lot of times when people talk about money, people start getting nervous and they associate their self-worth with it. But that's kind of what I had to say about this mm -hmm. stuff. It's funny you mentioned that, that uh, you know, you're not supposed to talk about money, ask people how much they make and et cetera, or like how much your house costs. Yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I ask all the time. I really, I know my wife hates it. She's always like, please, please don't. Cause like when we go look at like, we go to like a friend's house or someone's house or like, for example, in Dominican Republic, we went there, one of her cousins is a politician. So we were in his penthouse and I told her the minute I walked there, I was like, you know, I'm going to ask him how much he paid for this place. She's like, oh my God. So like, can you just like not do it right at first? I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll wait a little bit. And within an hour, I asked him because I am curious. It's not because I want to see like how much you pay because I want to see like, yo, like how much would it cost for me to live out here? Or what would I need to do? Or how do I need to adjust my lifestyle to be able to afford X, Y, and Z? And sometimes I'm just curious because I want to know, like if you are a person who's in the cybersecurity field and I work at McDonald's, for example, and I'm struggling and I see that you're doing well, I may ask you, hey, like, how much you make in a cybersecurity field? Oh, I make like, you know, $90,000 and I work remote. Oh, that's interesting. What'd you do to get there? And then I would be interested and I learn and I absorb that information. There should be no reason to be ashamed to ask those questions. Some people may feel offended, but who gives a fuck? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm like, 
in my I, 40s. I just don't I, care anymore. I don't think people that are doing better than you will ever get offended because they like I feel like they feel like, OK, this person's curious. And because you're curious, you're going to have that in your subconscious. You're going to see how can I be that way? There's so many people. Kevin Hart talks about it. He's like, I'm always curious. I get in a room and I see Jeff Bezos. I want to ask him what he's doing and how he's doing it. And everyone around me is like, yo, we're at a party. Like, don't ask him questions. Like, he's going to get bothered. But I bet you, like, it's the way you ask, too. And yeah. vice versa. I feel like a lot of people that feel that the other person might not be as uh, as doing as well as they are, they kind of look down on them, too, which is really bad in my opinion, because you don't know what the situation they're in. They could be downplaying a lot of wealthy people. I know they downplay the shit out of how much money they have. And mm -hmm. when I worked in sales, initially, we would look at how people were dressed to see what kind of stuff to sell them. And very fast, I realized that's probably the worst way of making any kind of contact with someone because you give out that vibe. Yes. And you are 100% right on that a lot of wealthy people again like shout out to <laughs> shout out to um snap that once again bombed during the earnings but evan spiegel i got to meet him and talk to him and stuff like that you if you would have seen evan spiegel if you had no idea who he is walking down the street looks like an average guy t-shirt jeans typical silicon valley whatever person they always talk about but he was he treated everyone very well at least from when i was around him and talking to him and hanging out with him seemed to be a very nice guy and he had no problem with anybody asking me any questions he seemed to be a pretty open book and i asked some questions that i guess some people consider disrespectful because one of the questions i asked him was like why didn't you guys capitalize on the opportunity that you had at the beginning when you guys were in the forefront of doing these um little ai figures or whatever you want to call it, the, the augmented reality figures like you guys should have patented that because everyone could just take it now and, you know, he had, a, he had an answer for it and stuff. But I, it was some people thought it was a rude question. But I'm literally asking, it's like, you guys were on top of your game and you guys fell off. And a, after every single earnings, you guys are just dropping the ball. But if you looked at their earnings, the reason why they're dropping their ball is because they're, they're taking a huge chunk themselves. So if they just kind of cut back on their own salary, they'll, they'll actually be somewhat profitable. So it, it's, a, it's a good discussion for sure. Um, I, I no, also noticed that people who tend to be very flashy and show their wealth are the ones who don't have money so like you said it's it's very it's not that they don't have money and i don't want to offend anyone a lot of it is sometimes new money so that's also the thing and over time they realize that that's not how you're going to get respect from people like they realize that and i've seen that with a lot of people i hang out with a lot of different people different personalities and people that are wealthy their focus is usually on ideas and people that are that don't they usually have their focus on people and then they're always constantly worried about what other people are thinking about them and they're also associating their self-worth with wealth and that's why one of the things that i tell people if you're trying to make something out of yourself or doing something that no one in your family or friends done keep that to yourself a lot of people are too like, okay, let me run it by my friend, my dad. I know they're not against you. And a lot of that stuff is personal to a lot of uh, people. But what you have to understand is a lot of people don't know what you know. And a lot of people are either scared of you 
or for you or jealous of you and they don't want to see you do something that they were never able to do so that's another thing i say like if you're going to take advice from someone make sure they're living the life you want right if you are asking someone like and this is what i say and i'm being very careful a lot of people take financial advice from people that are still stuck in the rat race and then they expect them to get them out of the rat race that they're in so be very careful, very careful. You're almost better off just reading books, watching YouTube, like, and just experimenting, risking and failing than asking someone who's never done anything, but you just feel like, because that's the only person you can reach out to. And mm -hmm. that always, I've never seen that work for anyone. Yeah. Also, like you were saying, you know, learn as much as you can, because knowledge is power, right? We always talk about learn as much as you can, but it is also easier, like, when you're younger in your 20s you don't have kids you don't have that many responsibilities take more risk take a lot more risk i give you an example shout out to my homie amit he's got his own youtube channel is doing really well all he covers is palantir sofi tesla he's a total stan and simp there's a whole community full of people who love that i even have a question in here about um palantir so let me just go answer that real quick before i get into this whole thing um i don't like palantir and the only re I, I, I like I'm never going to like Palantir. I, it's a personal bias because I've used the software. I know what it does. I'm just not a fan of what it does. It's great software, by the way. It does an amazing job for the government. I don't like what it does, though, for the government. With that being said, um, it's heading somewhat in the right direction. But at where it's evaluated now, I think it's at like $16, $17. I don't think it's going to last right now. It's a fan base stock. Again, like... And people are, are head over heels with it. Do I think it's going to go over $20 and hold? I, I don't know at this point. I didn't think it was going to hold over $10 and here we are now. But I don't like Palantir. I will never invest into it. I will never like it. I don't care how much fucking money it makes. I will never buy Palantir. I will trade it though. Anyways, my, my homeboy, um, Amit, I interviewed him, brought him on my channel. And he buys all these up-and-coming IPO stocks meme stocks, trash stocks, whatever you want to call it, you know, Robinhood, SoFi, Palantir. Um, I don't know if he does GameStop, but he, he buys a lot of those stuff. And when he, him and I were having this conversation, I'm like, why won't you buy something that's a little bit safer, that has a proven track record, blue chip, Microsoft, Apple, um, like ticker symbol race, which is um, Ferrari, um, LVMH, stuff like that. And he's like, I don't have a desire to buy those right now. I was like, I'm young. I rather get into these speculative stocks that can give me a huge return. And if I fail at it, it's okay. I'm in my 20s. It doesn't matter. I still have a whole lifetime to continue to grow my wealth. And if I believe in these and I'm passionate about these, I want to hold these and see what happens 10 years from now. 10 years from now, I will be in my 30s. And if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. I could then shift over to somewhere else. So when you're younger, you have a better opportunity to take a lot more risk. I know myself. When I was younger, and I'm sure same thing with you, Mo, I took a hell of a lot of risk. And now I'm very, very careful because I don't have the privilege to be able to fail as much as I did in my 20s. Because if I fail, it's not just me. It's my wife. It's my kids. It's people that count on me. It's a lot of stuff that can backfire if I take these unnecessary risks. That's why you won't see me invest into like Palantir. That's why you won't see me invest into SoFi. And if I invest into these speculative stocks, it would be such a small percentage of my portfolio, maybe 5 to 10%. But I would never go 80%, 90%.
There's a guy I used to trade with. He literally put his entire life savings into SoFi when SoFi, I think, was at the all-time high. And he's now finally breaking even after all these years. But that guy has a level of... I don't even know how to like explain it. He knows how to hold. He does not stress him out. He has patience at this whole other level that I don't have. And it worked out for him. But me, I would have never done that. And he's older than me. I would have never put my life savings into a speculative stock, hoping that it will 20x because, I don't know, Kathy Wood says something or I don't know. She didn't say anything about SoFi, but, you know, like $5,000 for Tesla, whatever she was saying. I'm just not that type of person. So take risk. And the older you are, start taking that risk off the table. And I, I believe in that when it comes to trading as well. So I, I have nothing else to add on that. You? No, no. I think you covered everything. I, th I hope people see this from our point of view. And I just want to make sure it doesn't look like those typical podcasts where it's just like financial gurus come in and they're just kind of talking down on people. Just yeah. That's... Okay. The yeah. next topic that we have, and then we'll go over place because I know uh, people want to talk about that too. So the next topic we have <coughs> is... Um, culture vulture, right? I think Mark did a video on it too. And this is something that I wanted to talk about. And we want to talk about symptoms. We don't want to talk about people. We want to talk about red flags that me and Mark see because we're in that industry, like finance mm -hmm. as a whole. And there's a lot of crypto scams. There's a lot of stock scams. There's a lot of AI scams. And what I've seen in, again, my background psychology, and I was just having a conversation with Mark and I'm like, Mark, I've been selling for the last, I'm okay. I've been selling since I was 16. So it's been a while. I've done door to door. I've done pyramid schemes. I've done um, outbound, inbound, uh, every kind of sales. I've sold those lifetime knives for like 5k, like crazy stuff. But over time, like, I've seen things change. For instance, when people are selling, what they're doing is they're focusing on benefits over features, simple sales, right? They're making sure they're creating urgency. But what I've seen in the finance, especially in African-American community, is people are telling people to buy from them because of the uh, their skin color which in my opinion is very unethical because it doesn't have anything to do with the skill set. And I feel like that they're doing it because they feel like that's where most people are the most emotional. And when you talk about that subject, most people don't really care about what the product or service that's being sold. Now, my goal was not to talk about this topic. Me and Mark often have conversations outside the podcast that are probably way more deeper, but we're not sure if we should bring them on. And Mark pointed out, he's like, yo, we should talk about this stuff. Because I'm like, in my like three years on Instagram, I've never been like, hey guys, I'm Indian. Buy all the Indians, buy from me because I'm Indian because we've been screwed over by white people or something like that. That's never crossed my mind. And you know where this started for me? We had a very big personality on our podcast. I'm not going to name names. And then after the podcast ended, we started talking. We were talking about stuff like not this stuff. And they said that they went to a show. Not a show. What was it? It was a seminar. Yeah, they went to a it was seminar. one of the seminars. 
and yeah. it was that gentleman and another uh, famous, um, I'd say, celebrity person that, that they're pretty big. And they said that they were shocked because it was a financial literacy place. And the conversation was an inverse KKK. Those are their words. And literally at no point they were talking about literacy. They were just talking about emotional and highly sensitive things to sell their course and product. I think this is the newest level of low I've never seen in my life. People just saying, like, I know realtors, I know mortgage brokers, and people usually sell on benefit. I have this much experience. I've made this much money. I have made other people this much money. This is my coaching style. All that makes sense. But telling people to buy from you based on cultural background, in my opinion, is like should be offensive to offensive to everyone. If you say we are for the culture, then freaking do it for free. Because mm -hmm. that's not culture. Mm -hmm. Doing culture, in my opinion, is for free. If you're saying that, you know, it's a service, then you charge. Then it's not for a culture. Then are they saying, hey, I'm only going to teach a certain race? No. They're doing different marketing for. And so this is a red flag that I just wanted to bring it up because I know there's people and that's their like pain point. And a lot of people use that to leverage you guys on selling you products. We're never ever going to sell you guys anything. I'm never going to promote anyone here ever, including myself or Mark ever, because that's not the what we'd come here and do. We share knowledge, we share entertainment, and that's where it ends, and that's where always it's going to end. But that's it, Mark. I just went down. Oh, I, I had to backtrack here for a second because I did promote uh, Capital Mindset. You didn't know. Um, Mark Monroe didn't know. I just went and I pitched it because yeah. it was a $5 product. We actually have someone backstage, but he just walked. Oh, he's, he's right here. He wants to add to the conversation, looks like. It's uh, Pascal. What's going on, man? How you doing? Can you, can you see us? Can you hear us? Yeah. Welcome, man. Uh, well, I'll just wait till you guys get done. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, do you have anything to add to this specific conversation or do you want me to bring you on later? Oh, you can bring me on later. Okay. All right. I'll put you back in the background. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. So when it comes to that stuff, if you guys are not familiar with me, I have a YouTube channel. And when I initially started my channel is because I was a very brand newbie to the finance space. I was super excited. I was all about verticulture. You guys already know I was an EYL simp stan. I was a simp stan for a lot of different groups, including the come up series. But after a while, being in this space and the more i learned especially once i started being invited to some of these backroom conversations and getting to know some of these people and understanding what it is about selling and how to sell to people i quickly learned that i do not like this space at all and um it's not just a black thing right like everyone's always like you know someone's like at the comments like oh here it is another black guy trying to bring down a black community or you're just a hater or this only happens in black communities. No, it does not. Listen, there is literally YouTube channels dedicated to pointing out the flaws and the BS that people like meet Kevin talk about uh, Jeremy financial, even my own homie, Tom Nash, which I'm cool with. Fabio didn't like him. He even mentioned him here. He's like, I don't like, he's like, I don't like Tom Nash. I think he is a grifter. So there's 
There's communities out there of people, honestly, just it doesn't matter what skin color you are. They will call out the BS when they see BS. So I started to do that occasionally. That's not my entire channel. My channel is not like JT the Pocket Watcher. But sometimes people have to ask, you have to ask instead of coming up and saying, oh, you guys are just haters. Just think about this. What do we have to gain from that? Because realistically, when we talk about this or when we bring up these these other groups or these people that we find that are grifters it doesn't benefit us because we're burning bridges because a lot of these places have bigger platforms than us anyway so we're burning bridges it doesn't help our youtube channel it doesn't help us it burns bridges a lot of times we do this because we're trying to protect the people who don't know better the reason why i sometimes occasionally make these videos because i was like you i was a simp i was a stan i was like no 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 these people are good people until later i learned out i learned and found out like oh no they're just trying to make a bag off of you but there is stuff especially within black finances it's it's these these certain things i always hear and it's always the same thing it's the information they keep from from you that's a big one the information they keep from you white people are keeping this information for you from you and this is the reason why you're not successful it's not true it's not true there's i got well, all my books are not here. I got pops back there now. But all my books. I have books that was written in 1990s, 1980s. There's YouTube channels that have been out there for 10 years that have people who are giving free and good quality information. Then the, the conversation, generational wealth. A lot of African Americans don't have generational wealth. And there was stuff that happened in the past that caused that. But the key word, well, I can help you create generational wealth. I'm going to be honest with you. Again, when it comes to trading, 95% of people fail when it comes to trading long term. It just is what it is. There's a reason why there's a statistics. And the 5% who do do it long term sometimes usually work for like a hedge fund or some other corporation where they get to trade full time and get paid handsomely for it. And then you have some people who really are out there who try to help people. I think Mo's one of them. Lawrence is one of them. You know, people who are who I usually associate with, I think are like that. Also, another one, with a red flag that I always see. Cars, houses, exotic locations, and money. You see that all the time in almost every single post. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like a Gen Z thing. I don't know if it's it, what it is, but it just attracts people. When you show your fancy house, you show your fancy car. And the thing is, me and Mo, honestly, we're not bad at marketing. We just choose not to market that way. Actually, I take that back. I'm terrible at marketing because when it comes to marketing, I feel dirty if I do that stuff. If I come and tell you guys how much money I really make, if I come and show you guys my house, if I show you my cars, if I show you whenever, like, why? Why do that? It doesn't benefit anybody. And why lie? If I tell you, hey, guys, I have this strategy, I have this course, which, by the way, is I'm planning on putting something together eventually. But if I say, hey, I have this course um, with this strategy, According to Investopedia and studies, it shows that 75% of the time you will be successful at doing the strategy long term. However, it's not going to make you an overnight millionaire. Uh, it's not guaranteed. It's going to be hard. You most likely will lose money at one point or another. And it's a hard strategy to learn. And it will just be you know, a couple hundred bucks here and there until you build up a huge account. And then you can start making real money. Or... It doesn't sound better like, hey, do you want this cool Lamborghini in this massive mansion? If so, you can buy my course. It's only $19.99. And I'm telling you right now, it's a three-day seminar. You're going to know everything you need to know to be rich. You're going to probably go with that person. And it's like, I'm guarantee you, blah, blah, blah. 
that you're going to make money doing this. And then next thing you know, when you scroll all the way down, you see that um, no money back guaranteed. Most of these places, most of these courses have no money back guaranteed. Why is that? Ask yourself, why is that? Another one um, is I've seen sometimes the religious aspect being used a lot of times. I, I'm, I'm spiritual. I'm not a fan of people using religion and money in one. Um, it just reminds me of those shady pastors that I've seen growing up that, you know, tell you, God wants me to have this jet, right? God wants me to have this jet. God wants me to have these nice Gucci shoes. I just need you to give me some money. Like, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. And of course, like Mo already mentioned, the Florida culture stuff. I, I'm not for the culture. I'm telling you all this right now. I'm not for the culture. Fuck the culture. I'm about changing the culture. Straight up. I don't care if you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic. You should not discriminate and get information just because a person looks like you. I know initially that, that is what attracted me into this space. I was like, oh, my God. There's black people talking about finance. I've never seen that before. And I put all my trust in there. And I went in there blindly. And I put all my normal teachings that I've had, that I've learned for 15 years in the career field that I was at, I put all that stuff to the wayside. And I went in and I trusted people 100%. Because I'm overall, I'm a pretty trusting person until you give me a reason not to trust you. But these are red flags. Stay away from it. Two years ago, when I literally stepped away from everybody, and I was just like, let me just see what else is out there. That's where I literally started learning more and got better at my craft. Even Mo, if you guys don't know the story how I met Mo, do you want me to tell the story, Mo? Yeah, sure, go ahead. I was doing trading group reviews. When I first started my YouTube channel, the whole purpose of doing the trading group reviews was that I never saw any reviews out there for groups. The runners, um, uh, the comp series, or um, EYL. Like, I didn't see any reviews out there. So I was like, oh, I could be the guy. And I was like, I'm going to support the black community. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do reviews on um, black groups. But I was, it was always positive reviews at the positive reviews. And I was like, well, shoot, I got to switch it up. And someone recommended some guy named Mo from OTB Clubhouse. And I went to your Instagram. I remember, and I told you this. I went to your Instagram. I was like, oh, that's some Indian dude. This looks like a Forex scammer. I was like, all right, I'll check out the course. I'll pay for it. I'll, I'll see. It. And this is going to be my first bad review. And when I went in there, shockingly, I end up enjoying it. And I love what I saw. Later on, you and I started to get along, and then we actually met and we became friends. That's how it worked. This, it was like a long process. And even then, like I never took affiliate links. I took one affiliate link initially for the very first trading group that I reviewed because it was like, hey, you, it was good. I enjoyed it. I, ha I made money in a group. He was like, do you want an affiliate link? I was like, sure. After that, I didn't take any affiliate links until a year after I think I met you more, right? This is when once we became friends and stuff, then I started using your affiliate link. But other than that, I don't really do affiliate links for um, trading groups and stuff like that. But what I learned, it was like I went in there specifically to target Mo because Mo wasn't black in the sense of us. And I was like, oh, and he had a small following. And I was like, nobody really knows who this guy is. So let me let me go in there and see his shitty program and give him a bad review and end up being the opposite. And he was literally the one who changed my mindset when I was like, wow, if he impressed me, I wonder what else is out there. And then I just started finding all these other places and then I started finding a lot of free resources like Options Alpha or um, Tasty Trade, which is not necessarily all black people. It's a mix. I think Tasty Trade is a mix of people. And then Options Alpha is predominantly white people. But when you go in and you watch and you look at their products, you're like, wow, I learned a lot more in this free product than I did paying from someone else that charged $999 that I paid for an option one on one course that was basic option stuff. But when you're new in this space and you don't know better and you 
and, and they hit you with this emotion stuff because marketing is all about hitting the emotions. That's always what it is. Marketing is about hitting emotions, but is doing it the right way. And I want to share this um, this clip real quick so you guys can see. I like this guy. It's Alex Hermosi, and I want to play this real quick so you guys can hear what I mean here. You see it, Mo? more money or all of your money buying knowledge there's only one thing that speeds up time and it's not this again or you should spend more money or all of your money buying knowledge there's only one thing that speeds up time and it's knowledge which is why when someone crashes and starts over you see elon musk go from zero back to a billion like that and it's because he has the knowledge of how to do it and so the only thing right now that stands you between you and making a million dollars a year is knowing how which means you need to double down on learning so that you can earn what you want you have to pay down time tax of ignorance or you should spend more money there all right let me close that. I like Alex Hermosi. I read his book. His book is about marketing and selling products. I don't have an issue with anyone selling products. His biggest point of everything that he usually teaches is if you're going to sell a high ticket price, make sure the value was there. It's always about the value. Customers should come first. And I feel like a lot of these groups and these people who sell courses treat you, the customer, as if I, like, for example, if I'm selling you a course, I'm treating you as if I'm doing you a favor. No, you are doing me a favor by buying my product. You are helping me out. And thus, I should treat you well. I should show up. I should respond to you if you have questions. If you're unhappy, I should have some sort of money back guaranteed, whether it's 14 days, whether it's if you go through the first three modules and you don't like it, I give you money back, something, something. Customers should always come first. Your platform and your product is defined by how people are how people react to it and if they're satisfied with it and how you treat them customer service am i right mo you're in this you were in a sales space customers service is what matters which make and break businesses and groups and etc am i right so yeah like i think for most people because i've been part of many groups it's a volume game if mark leaves someone else comes and someone paid 20 30 40 100 bucks they don't want to waste the energy to give the feedback and all that. It's, I think it's, I don't, I haven't seen this, this level of scams in any other industry. And I think it's because the level of money you can make. I know groups that make about a mil off subscriptions. The one that I was personally part of, they got, I think the most they made about 150, 200 K a month off subscriptions And, um, they were paying 25 a month. So if they didn't like it, they still kept it because it was just like cool to hang out with people. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't really know how to say this without offending a whole bunch of group. And that's why like someone said, say names. We, that's like, that's the conversation I had with Mark before the show. We're here to talk about the symptoms, the disease. We're not here to talk about people. And that's because I don't want to give bad energy out. And I don't really care what other people are doing. I don't have time. We're building for ourselves, and we're building this podcast. And that's why we ask you guys to share. And that's basically all I'm going to say about this. Yeah. And when it comes to names, look, you guys could just go. I, I call out people quite often on my channel. And um, I'm trying. I'm, I'm not trying to be that channel, but I do. I, I name names. I'm not going to do it here because this is not my platform, and I respect the people who run this platform. I don't want to bring drama here. Um, 
but it is you just have to be you have to be careful and don't and just get your emotions out of it okay i see the comments sometimes when it comes to people even like mark monroe and even sometimes mo and sometimes even me like you're the goat you're god you're the greatest you're the master and all that other stuff no stop you don't need to simp or or stand over us you don't need any of that We're, we don't need fans just come and listen and enjoy it hopefully we provide value and just share there's like, I am not the greatest trader in the world. And I'm always very honest. When people ask me, yo, are you a full-time trader? I mean, yeah, kind of. Do I make a living off of trading? No, I don't. I have a very, very lucrative nine-to-five, and I have businesses. And I made the wealth that I have not technically from trading. No. And a lot of people won't be honest about that. A lot of people have made their wealth through selling courses in Discord. And that is just a fact. There's a lot of them that haven't made the money that they claim they made from trading and it's okay. And I don't understand why people are ashamed or want to lie about it. Just be honest and say, Hey, listen, I have a skill. I have the knowledge I can teach you. I can help you. Um, and if someone's like, yo, do you do this for a living? Yeah, I do it for a living now, but did I make my wealth from this? No, I made my wealth because you guys pay me for courses. Just be honest about it. That's my biggest issue. Just be honest about it. And then when you sell a high ticket product, just make sure it's good. Just make sure it's good. And there's value there. And if you see that people aren't happy about it, provide the customer service that they deserve because they put money in your pocket. That's it. So anyways, let me see um, the, the guest. Is he still, is he still in the background? I see you turn off his camera. Is he still going to come on? Ticker lined up. All right. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Appreciate all the good comments. Let me see. Is, uh, is he still here? Yo, you still here? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. What's going on, man? What question you got? Uh, so while well, I'm trading bank stocks right now, primarily uh, bank of America, and I was asking, because uh, the Fed's just raised uh, rates again. Mm -hmm. So, do you think the uh, banks are gonna like have a still have a rough time trying to break out? Because I'm looking at like, for example, I'm looking at Bank of America on the uh, weekly, and it's uh, starting to sell down. You know, because it's, it's high was they had a high on the uh, what day was that? On the 17th, I believe it's high was uh, 30, yeah. 32. 3211. Yeah, but it starts selling off. I see. And there's a big, yeah. actually, there's a big, it right. actually had a nice little run there. But uh, me looking at it, I think it may come back down to $30. That's just me. Um, but Bank of America has been selling off since basically, when was this? June 2022, right? Is that? Well, actually, uh, March 6th on the weekly, the big red bar. Yeah, wait, let me see. March 6th. On the weekly, yeah. okay, let me go to weekly, weekly March. Yeah. March 6th, we're going to go March, 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 March. March 6th. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah, that sold off. And it looks like the green bar basically filled all the way to the top, close mm -hmm. to the top, and that was coming down. But you see that on the weekly, you see that green candle that started yeah. on Monday that went up? Yeah. And it kind of, technically, if you do the gap plays that's similar to, like, um, a strategy that I've used on futures trading, if this weekly closes and it doesn't fill that um, the candle below to the wick, um, there's a good chance it will it will fill that. That's just my personal opinion. But when it comes to the banks with the interest rates, what's your thoughts on that, Mo? I want to see if my thoughts align with it. I think um, I just ask you this. Are you willing to get a car loan right now? Hell no. Are you willing to get um, any sort of loan right now? Nope. Are you interested in buying a house right now? Nope. Why? Uh, the rates are too high. So 
that's I think that's your answer. What do you say, Mo? So oh, let me, I'll, I'll ask Pascal a few questions. So macro-wise, who do you think uh, is in trouble when it comes to increasing interest rate? Regional banks or the main banks? Regional banks. Okay, so where do you think their business will go to? Uh, I think um, I think some uh, some of the regional banks, especially the ones that are doing uh, terrible, uh, I think they're going to be uh, I think they're going to be bought out by other regional banks and uh, bought out by some of the larger banks. Larger banks. What about yeah. Goldman? So I know what you're saying, but when interest rate goes up, the banks don't really lose. They just add more uh, of their uh, revenue, profit margin, and repackage and sell it to customers. What's happening with credit card rate now, even though the market's bad, the credit card companies are making a lot of interest because people, the credit card debt is high. So I think yeah. what I have here, let me show you the chart. The chart's still high, so here. Yeah, and let me let me be true, full transparent with you, by the way. Is, um, I'm sorry, what was your name again? Pascal. Pascal, right, okay. I, um, I invest every single month in XLF because that's one of the sectors, again, the banking sectors that I noticed that has taken the biggest hit. And um, I started buying when it was twenty nine and thirty dollars because I'm expecting in the future for banks to reverse and go up. But in the meantime, I don't really play banks. I did trade um, Schwab, which ended up jumping up nicely recently. But yes. the regional banks, I think, are definitely more are in trouble versus the bigger banks, like Mo said, because, again, I don't go to any regional banks. Do you go to any regional banks? No. Yeah, I go like I go to the major big banks. That's just me. But go ahead, Mo. So um, if you look at BAC here, um, your signal to go long or short is very clear. So I'm glad you brought it up. If it loses 200 moving average, it's at 3195 right now. You can look at maybe shorting this. But right now, bro, it's got a bull flag and it's above 200. This is in terms of RR, this is the best place to go long um, because if it breaks, you're out. If it goes up, the uh, bear, the bull flag is going to break and there's a lot of room to go up, like a lot of room. So I don't think about macro too much. Like I'll give you an example. UPSD and a firm, correct? Like they do payments. When the interest rate's high, who the hell's going to sign up for the payments? But a firm went from 15 to 20 today, and the interest rate just went up. People are ignoring macro now, and what they're doing is they're like, okay, this stuff is very low price, like Disney, a firm, UPSD, and they're just buying it. There was a time when macro mattered. At some point, it does. But if you're thinking long-term investment, then you could wait for a dip. But if you're talking about a trade, this is a chart that you want to long, not short, because it's the support's 200 moving average and it's got a bull flag. Okay. Yeah, Did I definitely help? have to. Yes, I definitely have to study the technicals more because I'm more of a fundamentals uh, trader. Yeah. I definitely got to work on my technicals because I like, was thinking about putting some, uh, um, having some uh, leap calls on uh, Bank of America, uh, $29 leap calls. $29 you in the money leap calls? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause like you got two different answers, right? So I'm saying that I think it's going to go down to 30. Mo mm -hmm. saying you think it's going to go long, right? But if you have oh, 29. So this huh? is what I'm saying. I don't think it's going to go up or down. I'm saying based on the chart that I look, the best risk reward is to go long here unless that breaks. Oh yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. Yeah. If you want it as a trade, but you got leaps, when does it expire? Uh, 
I, well, I paper traded some uh, in January. And 29, I think you should be up now, right? Are you up right now or you just got in it? I'm up a little because I had it for about two weeks now. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Again, this is so it's paper trading. Luckily, again, it's not financial advice from from both of us. But Mo is saying that the way it's set up, it looks like is a good position as a trade. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing it long term. I think it's still going to go down to 30 and most likely bounce from there. But we'll we shall see. I hope okay. that helps. I know you're looking for more of a definite answer. <laughs> so, no if anyone's giving you that, they're just bullshitting you. But okay. I'll tell you one thing. It's just there's other ways for you to make a lot more money with the money you have buying leaps on banks might not be the best way if i was you here's what i would do go check where the sector rotation is happening see where the money is moving let the money needs to be flowing there for a minimum for three days for it to be a rotation in my opinion go leaps there if something's already how up is bac let's take a look it went from let's just Six so, months is down almost 10%. Year to date is down um, 4.66%. No, but bro, look, like from July 17th to, so in the last 10 days, this thing is up from 29 to all the way 33. And this is just having a retracement. And this is having a, uh, it's called basically back testing the 200 moving average. I personally wouldn't go leap here. Um, you've got a big supply at 34 as well. That's where the, well, let me just draw it so people, people can see it. Uh, yeah. And the good thing is like bank of America too, is it's a dividend stock and it's, it's well known. It, it's not as volatile. If you look at the 52 week low is $26 and the 52 week high is $38. So you're kind of like in the, in the middle range here, but don't think too much fundamentally yeah. like that mm-hmm. interest rate's going to go up or bank people like are buying regardless like so the i guess that's all i'll say so one more question um so to find out which sectors are hot i can use a website like finviz and look at the uh s p 500 heat map yeah um, yeah but um well bring up that one that you showed there's a sector rotation website that you had um that you showed before oh, wait, oh, yeah. hold on let me show you i think you're talking about this I used to have. I'm trying to look through my. Um, is it a performance sector one? Let me see. There's multiple that I used to use. Right now, I just stick to Finviz. Is this what you're talking about? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. That one. Okay. Finviz. All right. So if you look at one week relative performance, like right now, you could tell communication is holding on. They've sold a bunch of stuff today, and I could think it's because end of month is coming. Seasonality. That's just making sense, but. Again, like AMD closed green, NVIDIA closed green. One of the ways I look risk on, risk off is how the chips are doing. And right now, it's a good place to go long um, AMD. 110, 110 breaks, I'm out. But there's other sectors that are just starting to go. Like I was talking about solar with you guys. I was talking about China with you guys. I think Baba can do, I don't know what these ads are, but Baba can do 260 in my opinion. So that's, if I was to risk on leaps that's where i would go okay yeah also brother check out um this there's this uh website called aiolux aiolux i use that a lot it's a seasonality performance so it's like back test like the seasonality performance on it let me show you real quick so you have an idea you can also use that i used to like that and i used to use it quite a bit to see how certain stocks move have you seen this one before oh no yeah so you can, you can really put in the ticker symbol which i just did which was bac 
Bank of America, Click View. And he goes on and it shows like the historical seasonality of what, what to expect. So like according to this, it looks like October, November, and December, the performance is pretty well. September, not so much. Yeah, I know banks are very cyclical, so. Mm -hmm. So this is a good chart as well. Again, it's A-I-O-L-U-X.com. All right. Thank you for your time. Thank, I really appreciate it. No, thank, thank you for actually coming up. That's dope. So, and what does this person say right here? All right, let me go over a movie. This is one thing is not to overlook the volume on BAC. Yeah, because that's a, the volume isn't the greatest on BAC from my understanding from what I recall, because I don't trade BAC at all or touch it. Can you pull it up, Mo? I think the volume is kind of low on it, isn't it? Well, what I'm looking at on a daily volume, the buys have a higher bar than the sells. Uh, in the last week and that's why they were able to push the price i keep things simple like this looks like a bull flag above 200 moving average of that test because it's been running so far wild and like you i don't like to play banks uh tim wants to come up tim, sure tell her um tell her to come in um the link was was put here on let me go drop it one more time we're over our episode so let's try ending it in about five yep let's here, here you go. You click on that, is it, and then Kim can come on real quick. Oh, Tim. I thought you said Kim. If I had known it was Tim, I would have said no. I'm kidding. <laughs> come on, Tim. Pop in real quick. So, but yeah, anyone got any other questions? And hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Oh, it's like I like ENPH for long term. I'm glad he brought that up. I actually have that plotted here. Let me go pull it up because I saw the earnings today was – Freaking terrible, apparently, to the point where it dropped down. I think it's right now at one. That's wrong. I don't, my trading view must not be up to date. I'm pretty sure. End phase is. I'll tell you, folks, the same thing. End phase is down 12.85% today at $145. I have levels right now. Right now, it is. Nope, that it broke that demand zone that I had. So, oh, what I'm seeing. Passing around. Yeah. You know, what's up? Uh, Tim was uh, just joking. Oh, okay. Just for support levels here on end phase, I'm seeing 127. I would scale in at 127 because I like end phase overall. It was one of those few stocks, but it's also a cult-like stock that was similar to like Tesla at a massive run. But then I have a supply zone here between, I mean, sorry, demand zone 87, 65 to 101. And then the next one I have is 56, 69 to 75, 53. Again, you, this is on the weekly chart. You guys can easily watch that supply and demand course and then just go through, um, go through, go through it and then go to the weekly or the monthly or the daily to get your supply and demand levels. So, all right. I think we're done. Yep. This went, this went really long. This wasn't, wasn't expected, but it was a good show. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Remember, share everybody share share give thumbs up hopefully y'all enjoyed it until next week we'll see you again hopefully you enjoyed this conversation you can find me on my youtube channel which is uncultured currency that's kind of the podcast where i have some financial talk on there as well and then i have a satirical political offensive channel called half breed observer you can go over there as well as a brand new channel I only have 200 subscribers there try to get monetized check it out may not like it we'll see and then mo where can they find you on uh, instagram otb clubhouse and on twitter otb shark mo 
until next time, y'all. And Tim, no, I wasn't I wasn't sharing the chart on that one. Um, so until next time, y'all, peace out and thank you. And I see you guys next week. Where is the outro? Oh yeah. See you first. Let me do this. Ric Flair. Woo! Out. That's hundred.